Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I have a few songs for you tonight too. They're nowhere near as impressive as, uh, and as well done as what the band um, is going to do. So, yeah, as you know, we have a lot of talented musicians. Um, one of our talented musicians um, is none other than uh, Mr. Ben Whitmore on the drums. Don't we appreciate his drumming? Um, did you know something about drumming, though? Um, percussion, most of the time, does not clue you in on the melody of the song. Have you ever tried to pick out a song, name that song just by the percussion? It's really difficult. So I'm going to see how well you are at doing this. I'm going to see how good, how good you are at picking it out just by, and I'm not going to be playing the drums, I'm going to be playing the table. Okay, um, I'm not going to be playing the drums. I'm going to be playing the table, and as I am, uh, as I'm playing the table, um, you're going to see a little prompt, in the, and it's going to say, "Can you pick the song? Name that song." So I'm going to do it right. You got to listen to the beat, and you got to see. You may be able to figure these out. You may not. It's probably going to be hard. You ready? Okay. Okay. Kate okay. is ready, or somebody that said yeah over there it wasn't Kate. Oh, it was Ben. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Name that song. I mean, first off, I did a great job, right? Um, but second, can you can you name it? Do it again. I won't be able to do, I won't be able to do all these million times, but I'll do it one more time. I'm gonna hum it and see if you can do it as I as I did. Ready? Say it. Don't stop believing. Okay. Let's maybe maybe let's do let's do a more current one. See if you can pick it out. Right. That's from the '80s. You ready? No. Kaylee, what'd you say? Did you have one? I thought I heard it from that area over there. Maybe not. No? Huh? No, not. Okay, I'm going to hum along, see if we can get it. Oh, Riley got it. Okay, it was good old Miley. Um, the next one, let's see if you can get it. This is, I'm going to clue you in on this one. I'll give you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help you cheat. This one is for all you country fans out there. Ready? Listen up, listen up. This is for you, Trevor. One more time. Is it country roads? No. Nah. I'll hum it. Eight six five four oh nine ten twenty one. I thought y'all would know that one. Is some of y'all? It's like he's like your man crush Monday. Okay, I'm gonna do one more. I'm going to do one more, all right? You better be able to get, if, if you don't get this one, we're going to have to have a come to Jesus talk. You ready? It's a newer one. 
Ready? I'll do it one more time. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Okay, you got it. You got it. Okay. The anti-hero. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Okay. We went through all of that entire exercise to demonstrate a point. That sometimes without the proper illumination, you can have information and not make sense of it. You following me? You can have information, but not make sense of it. What we're going to be talking about tonight, we're finishing our You Asked For It series, and we're going to be talking about two things that we read about in the Bible, that we learn about in the Bible, that without the proper illumination from God, and the proper illumination and understanding from the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can read the Bible and miss it. We can read the Bible and not understand it. Next week, we're starting a new series. It's called The Greatest Sermon Ever. It's on Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. So get ready to be blessed next week because it's literally talking about being blessed. Um, but tonight we're, re- we're finishing up our You Asked For It series. These are questions that you sent in. And these two questions both have to do with things related to the Bible. So we're going to put those questions on the screen. I'm going to read them over for you. And you're going to maybe see how they kind of tie in together. You, we've, we've covered everything from slavery to polygamy to sin to judgment and even like Satan himself. So these two questions talk about the Bible. The first question is, what is the significance of 40? And they, the person that sent this in put it in parentheses like some examples. 40 days and nights of the great flood, 40 years in the wilderness for the Israelites, 40 days in the wilderness for Jesus, 40 days before the overthrow of Nineveh. So what's the point of 40 days? The next question is, why doesn't God interact with us today the way he did over the periods covered in the Bible. So I think you'll see some of these, these two questions kind of tie together a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I want us to, I know we've already prayed once. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer uh, and pray that, that God focuses our hearts and our minds and our attention on him. Um, I've got a little, anybody else got the allergies? It's just like snot city right now. You know, you know how you know what it is. So bear with me. Um, I'm going to try to keep my voice the whole time. So let's pray and then we're going to dive in. Um, God, thank you so much for bringing us together tonight. Thank you for the beautiful song that we got to sing um, about how you are our firm foundation. And God, especially tonight as we talk about your word, as we talk about how important your word is, um, how even in the chaos and even in the difficult times, you're still working. Um, God, I pray that you will remind us of that, that your Holy Spirit, as we we read your word and talk about your word, will we'll just teach us. Uh, that it won't necessarily be me teaching, it'll be you teaching through your word and through the Holy Spirit coming alongside us and opening our eyes to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the big thing that is going to tie both of these questions together, the big truth um, that I hope you get and I hope you see by the end of, uh, end of our time tonight is this, that when God speaks and you understand what he says, nothing else matters. One part of it is that God speaks. The other part of it is our understanding of God speaking. That was what the illustration that we did at the beginning illustrates, is that that it's not only important that we know that God speaks, but it's important that we can understand what God is saying to us. So we're going to hit the first question first. And the first question has to do with 40 days. Uh, What is the significance of 40 in the Bible. You know, they gave some examples of different times in the Bible where the number 40 is used. And before we dive into that, I do want to give you a warning. There are some people 
Um, some of them wear tinfoil hats, some don't. Um, but there are some people that think they can unlock all kinds of like predictions and things by adding numbers in the Bible together. But nowhere in the Bible are we told that we're supposed to add a bunch of numbers together to find out when Jesus is coming back. Um, God actually tells us not to do that. So there are some numbers in the Bible that are significant, but we need to be careful that we don't read too much into the numbers that are in the Bible. But what this question asks is a good question because you see so often 40 days, 40 days, 40 days, 40 days. I want to go over some of the big 40s of the Bible. And these aren't all the, the times where the word or you know, the 40 is used or the term 40 days is used, but these are a few of them and we've got them on the screen here. In Genesis chapter 7 verse 12, um, when Noah was in the ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Every D now, it seems like it floods. And this D now is like no exception. Like we had a ton of rain. And that was only a couple days. Can you imagine raining like that for 40 days and 40 nights? I think Noah was um, probably a little wet. Acts chapter 7 verse 30, but it's talking about in the Old Testament uh, how Moses, after he fled Egypt, he was a shepherd in the desert for 40 years. I mean, I think I'd be tired of sheep after that point. I mean, sheep are really cute and cuddly and furry and all that stuff, but like, like, like I think I'm done with sheep after 40 years with sheep. Exodus chapter 24, uh, verse 18, it talks about how when Moses was receiving the law on Mount Sinai, all the Israelites were down at the bottom of the mountain. They didn't know what was going on up on the mountain, and they waited for 40 days for Moses to come back. And what we realized, anybody know the, what, what happened with them? Like, they fell big time, right? They're like, we don't think Moses is coming back. We're going to, like, melt all our gold together and make an idol. Didn't turn out well for them. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25, it took the Israelite spies, when they were going into the promised land, 40 days to spy out the promised land. We also read that in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Israelites, because they disobeyed God, God punished them by making them wander around in the wilderness for 40 days. He's starting to pick up on a theme here, like wilderness, like patience, waiting. Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses, because Israel screwed up real bad, God was ready to just like, you know, lightning bolt, you know, start over, you know, refresh, kill these people. And Moses begged and pleaded with God for 40 days and 40 nights that God would spare the Israelites. And he did. In Judges chapter 13, um, Israel was, were slaves to the Philistines for 40 years till God raised Samson up as, as a judge, as a deliverer for Israel. Um, 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 8, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Elijah, he fled from evil Queen Jezebel. That's not your, your English teacher. In, evil Queen Jezebel, he fled from her because she put a hit out on him. He ran for 40 days and 40 nights till he got to the mountain of God, Mount Oreb where God ministered to him. And then the like probably ultimate examples in Matthew chapter four, where Jesus, after he's baptized and the spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on him, it says he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. So there are some lessons we learn from the use of the number 40 in the Bible. And I, I just kind of put them all down at one time and, and they're not in a particular order. But the first lesson is that God allows our faith to be tested. For the, the number 40 and the times it appears in the Bible, it reminds us that God allows our faith to be tested. Can you imagine Noah is in a boat? There's no land. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights. The entire earth is covered with water. 
and he's with a bunch of animals. And you ever, you ever think about where'd all the poop go in the dark for 40 days and 40 nights and then all the time it took for the... Not, not probably prime conditions, right? Not trying to be crude, but probably not prime conditions. Yeah, how would you like to be trapped in your family in a boat for 40 days and 40 nights? I mean, some of you, there would be dead siblings. Like, I know there would be dead siblings. Yeah. Or you, some of you, yeah. Or you're already thinking about ways to take care of it. We won't entertain those thoughts, right? So Noah's faith was tested. He had to trust that God had a plan to deliver him safe and sound that the water would go down, right? We could go through each of those examples. 40 years that Moses was in the desert, he had to wait and he had to wait and he had to wait and his faith was tested. God allows us sometimes to go through experiences that test our faith. Have you ever been in an experience in your life where your faith was put to the test? And it wasn't just like, boom, it hit, and oh, my mom laid into me, got mad because I didn't clean my room, and I didn't get mad at her. Faith, yeah, level faith, yeah, up, achieved. Long periods of time. Have you ever been through a period of time, it was maybe weeks, maybe it was months, where you just were waiting for God to come through and waiting for God to come through and he was testing your faith or maybe you're in that situation right now. This reminds us that God allows our faith to be tested so that our faith and our lives can be made complete and made perfect in him. Um, another thing it reminds us that God permits us sometimes to endure wilderness experiences. Uh, it's hard to see the word, every time the, the, the number 40 appears in the Bible without realizing um, that oftentimes these people are by themselves in lonely places being tested by God. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights without talking to a single soul other than Satan who was trying to tempt him. Have you ever been in a place where it, you, maybe you aren't literally like in Dolly Sod's wilderness, which I'd actually enjoy being there, but like in a really, a, a not so fun place and you feel like you're just totally isolated from everybody else. You know, it's possible to be in a wilderness in Huntington, West Virginia in your house and, and it seems like everybody else is doing great and everybody else has someone in their lives and it's just you and you're alone. You know that God allows us to have those experiences sometimes to draw us closer to him? The final thing that we learn from this is that even when we, kind of borrowing from the end of the song Waymaker, but like even when we don't see it, God's working. Noah couldn't see what God was doing during those 40 days and 40 nights, but God was working. Yeah, there were times where Elijah definitely, he, he had no idea what in the world God was doing when he was running because the queen put a hit out on him. But God was still working. God brought him to a place where he restored his, his soul and his, his, his mental health and his physical health. God was working. When Israel was wondering what in the world God was doing with Moses on Mount Sinai, was he dead? 40 days and 40 nights, God was working. He was giving Moses the law that would give Israel yeah, a, a way to live. God is working even when we don't see it. Yes, some of you, it's, you know, it's, it's more than 40 days. <laughs> You've been waiting a year to see what in the world God is doing in like family situations or, or difficult times in your life. You're waiting, waiting, waiting. When is God gonna come through? What in the world could God be teaching me? Surely God isn't working in this situation. Through the number 40, we realize God is working. So what's the significance of 40? It reminds us that God allows us sometimes to have our faith tested, sometimes for us to go in through lonely times in our life. But even in those times, he's always working and it always has a purpose. Does that make sense? 
we're going to get to the harder one. You ready? We're going to go to the next one. And you can turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. The first question, we were kind of bouncing around. I gave you lots of references. We're going to kind of park here in Hebrews just for a minute. And then we're going to answer the second question. The question is, why does, doesn't God interact with us the way he did over the periods covered in the Bible? Anybody here have a donkey at home? Like, okay, we actually, awesome. That's great. You have, has your donkey ever spoken to you? In, in language you can understand. Okay, I had to clarify that, right? Uh, in language you could understand. You ever heard the story, the true story from the word of God of Balaam? Yep. When Balaam wouldn't listen to God, so God's like, you'll probably listen to a donkey if it talks, right? And he did. What, you know, why doesn't God talk to me through my donkey? <laughs> like, like why, why doesn't God, like he did with Adam and Eve, just walk and talk with me? Like, why doesn't God interact with us today the way he did in the periods covered in the Bible? First, before we get into Hebrews, I want to I show you some strange, may, I, I call them strange ways, strange ways that God interacted with people or that God spoke to people in the Old Testament. The first is Genesis 3.8. This is that God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. Before sin entered the world, God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. I mean, can you imagine like going to Barbersville Park and just like walking around the lake with God? Like, like I would have a list. Like, I mean, I would, I would have questions. Um, and I'm sure those questions would not be important once I realized who God was and how great he was. But he walked and talked with Adam and Eve. Like, sign me up, right? Genesis chapter 19. We also see it in Judges and in, 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 in the book of Luke that God spoke to people through angels. Uh, you know my thing, right? You know, angels aren't these little, like, like, like half-naked babies with wings like that shoot little, little, little arrows at you. That's Cupid. That's not an angel. Uh, angels were fearsome, fearsome, mighty warriors of God who delivered messages for him, right? And, um, and God, God spoke to people through angels. Um, maybe one of the most famous is, is, is when God sent an angel to Mary um, to say, hey, guess what? You're pregnant. Um, God spoke to people through angels. Genesis 31 reminds us that God speaks to people through dreams. Uh, God spoke to Jacob. Uh, we learn in Matthew chapter 1 that God spoke um, to uh, Joseph in a dream. So God is recorded as speaking to people in dreams. Exodus chapter 3, God spoke to Moses through a bush, yeah, through a burning bush. Like, like any, any of y'all have bushes at your house? Any of y'all ever have your bushes talk to you? Hudson, okay. Was someone hiding in the bush maybe? Uh, they're they're walkie-talkie in the bush, right? Uh, yeah, our bushes don't speak to us, right? Uh, Exodus chapter 33, this is what I want. God spoke to Moses face to face. And it said when Moses walked out of there, he had a glow on him because he saw Jesus. He saw God face to face. First um, Samuel chapter 3, you know, God, we, we learned that God speaks through prophets. There were certain people who were prophets of God that God would send a word to him. He would say, tell these people this. And the prophets would go and say, this is what God says. Blankety blank blank. Do this, 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 and this. And he would speak directly through prophets. Um, in Isaiah, uh, we also see it in Ezekiel too, that God um, spoke to people, communicated to people by bringing them into heaven and giving them visions of heaven. That's another one. I'm like, sign me up. Um, and then in Numbers, this is the one I talked about before. In, in the book of Numbers, we learn that God even speaks through a donkey. My dad was preaching on this passage one time and he's back when we used the King James Bible and man, he really, he, he really kind of embarrassed himself if you could imagine. Uh, if you can't, just ask me later. Uh, but, uh, but, but God even could speak through Balaam's 
donkey. Um, so God spoke in some really interesting ways. And sometimes we think, why won't God speak to us in those ways now? Here's where Hebrews chapter 1 comes in. I gave you plenty of time to find it, didn't I? Hebrews chapter 1. It says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways. So think about all the, the ways that we just mentioned. Donkeys, bushes, you know, prophets, walking into all these different ways. Many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. These guys back in the day. By the prophets, but in these last days, that's the days we're living in now, we're in the last days, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Who's his son? Jesus, right? Who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Man, we could, we could, pre, we could create a whole understanding of Jesus out of these verses, right? He's eternal, he's always existed, uh, yeah, he's the son of God, he's the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. So God says, instead of sending prophets to talk to you, I'm gonna come talk to you myself. That's what, that, that is part of what Jesus did when he came to this earth, but that's not all he did. Uh, it says, after making purification for our sins, not only did Jesus come, God in the, God in the bod, God in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man, come and speak to people and be with people. He took the sins of all people on himself on the cross and died for the sins of all people. It says, making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That means that Jesus is not in the grave anymore. He's not walking the earth anymore. He is seated on high in heaven at the right hand of the Father in majesty right now. And he's planning his comeback. He's coming back for us. But I want you to look at that phrase there in chat in verse 2. It says, he has spoke in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus is the final word. You, Back in the day, God spoke through different kind of people, different kind of ways, even animals and shrubbery. But now, in these last days, Jesus is God's final word. Making sense so far? Jesus is God's final word. So that means the next thing we got to figure out is, well, if Jesus is God's final word, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Well, he said a lot of things. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first chapter in Acts. We read all of the things that the people that were with Jesus wrote down and like direct quoted him saying. But there's more that Jesus said and there's more that Jesus taught that we realize. John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 tell us what Jesus did right before he died. Right before Jesus died, he had a Passover meal with his disciples. And it was kind of a real serious conversation that he had with them. And in that real serious conversation he had with them, he told them three really, really like, like distressing things. You ever, you ever get like news told to you that's really distressing? Right? Three really distressing things. First off, one of y'all is going to betray me. Like one of y'all is going to turn his back on me tonight. Oh, and by the way, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Oh, and guys, guess what? I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going back to the Father. So they're all just like, like melting into a big pile of mush. Like they've been given the worst news ever. But Jesus says, but don't let your hearts be troubled. First off, I'm coming back. But second, when I go, before I come back, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to y'all. Judas has already left. He's already gone to do his thing. So there's 11 of, of Jesus' closest friends, his eyewitnesses. They've, they've, they've learned from him. They've, they've, they've walked with him. Um, they've done ministry with him. And Jesus says, 
I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside you. And he promised that the Holy Spirit would do a special thing in those 11 guys who were eyewitnesses to him. And if you look at these verses, we're going to kind of go like, you know, as Tim Yates would say, like Machine Gun Kelly on you. Like we're going to go like verse, 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 verse. So you can see the progression here. Look at what Jesus promises those 11 people who followed him closely that the Holy Spirit would do through their life. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring remembrance all that I've said to you. You know, there was a lot of things that Jesus taught about that were not written down in the gospels. We know what the Holy Spirit did to those 11 people who were with him the whole time. He brought back those things to their remembrance so they would know what his teaching was. And then John writes 1 John, and he writes 2 John, and he writes 3 John with all of the things that Jesus taught. And he sends it to churches so they know how to live the way Jesus wants them to live. And Peter writes 1 Peter, 2 Peter. James writes, James. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, I mean, he had, he had like a big old cramp. Yeah, 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 when you take a test and you get the cramp in your hands. Paul probably had very cramped hands because he wrote 13, diff 13 different letters that contain all the, the teachings of Jesus. We have not only the Gospels that tell us what Jesus said. We have all of these books that come after the Gospels that were written by eyewitnesses to Jesus because Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, brought to remembrance the remembrance all the things that he said. That's not only, that's the only, the only thing Jesus promised in this conversation. Page over, John chapter 15, he says, When the Helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, who I'll send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness about me. Jesus because you've been with me from the beginning. So he promises when the Holy Spirit comes, these 11 people who were eyewitnesses to him would write about him, would witness about him. As you keep reading, same conversation. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, he says, I've said many things to you, but you can't deal with them all right now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he'll do what? He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. And look at this. It says he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. So Jesus promises to these 11 guys that, that, that what is his, the truth that is his, the Holy Spirit will help them to know what that is so they can share it with the church. And then finally, Jesus ends the conversation and he goes and he prays. That's the intense prayer in the garden, right? John chapter 17, in this garden called Gethsemane, where he's, he's so intense that he's sweating drops of blood. And you know what he does in his last you know, time of really long praying before his death? He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those 11 guys. It's a beautiful prayer, but inside that beautiful prayer, he prays this to the Father. He says, I have given, look closely at this, I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. So do you see the sequence here? God the Father gives the words of truth to Jesus. Jesus gives the words of truth to these 11 guys. These 11 guys, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the remembrance of everything that Jesus taught. So not only are they writing like the play-by-play -play of Jesus' life, when there are churches in the first century, when the like Christian, Christianity is just beginning, they're like, how do we handle people being like, like, like immoral? Paul's like, 
I got truth from Jesus about that. I'm a right first Corinthians, right? Do you, do you see how that's working? How God spoke through Jesus and Jesus gave that truth to these 11 eyewitnesses so that we would know how to please Jesus. So not only did Jesus predict that the Bible would be finished, Jesus commanded the apostles to teach his truth. One of the most famous verses of the Bible, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, so you're supposed to win them to Jesus. You're they're supposed to be baptized, but then they're also supposed to be taught all the things that Jesus commanded us to do. How would we do that? It's by reading from the people who the Holy Spirit, word for word, gave the truth to. We're going to skip over the next slide, Jordan, because I want to make sure we get out on time. Is that okay? Uh, so, do you realize that the book that you... Uh, how many of y'all have, like, have a physical copy of the Bible? Just wave, wave it around. <laughs> Brandish your swords, right? Uh, you, you know what you hold in your hands, or maybe the person next to you has one. What they're holding in their hands is nothing short of a miracle. Um, it'd be cool, yeah, if a bush talked to us. But, you know, that was like one time in Moses' life. It wasn't like, like every bush he ran across is like, here's a message from God. Like, oh, here, here, here's this uh, like holly tree. I wonder if this has a message from God. It was like a one-time thing. You know, Balaam, like he only got talked to by a donkey once. Like it wasn't just like, 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 like some kind of like, like fairy tale where every horse he ran into or every donkey he ran into had a message from God for him. It happened one time. Yeah, it'd be cool. If God communicated today like he did back then, but it also wouldn't be cool. Because it's cool if you're Moses. But it's not cool if you're not Moses. You see what I'm saying? Back then, one person got to hear from God and everybody else was kind of like on the outside looking in. Are you following me? God spoke to certain people and they had the responsibility to tell others. But today, God speaks to everyone who will open his word and listen to him. I've got a picture up here that kind of illustrates just how incredible of a time that we live in and how blessed we are to have God's word. You know, when the Bible was originally written, literacy rates were real low. You know what I mean by literacy rates? It's people who can read. Like, people couldn't read. Uh, so they just had to rely on story that was told after story that was told after story that was told. Today, there are people that even in third world countries get education so they can read and they have access to God's truth. Um, you know, we have a complete collection of scripture. In the, in the first century when the church, is just, you know, church was just beginning, you may have like one letter. You may have like Ephesians and you may have some scrolls from the Old Testament. Today we have it all together right here. We have technology that is incredible. Um, I've got a picture here and, and Jordan was telling me next week I want you to hear about his trip to Cuba. Um, but Jordan was telling me about some of the ways in which they're transmitting the gospel in Cuba. And some of it has to do with you know, there are Bibles that are digitized and put on these little MP3 players that you can give out that are really cheap. So people that maybe they can't read, they can Get this little MP3 player, put earbuds in, and listen to the Bible being read to them. Most of the world, not all of the world, most of the world, it is legal to have a copy of the Bible and to read it. We live in some incredible, incredible, incredible times. The Bible is an absolute miracle and we get to have it. We're going to skip over the next slide too, Jordan. Okay? <laughs> Jordan's shaking his head. He's like, Matt, you're skipping over too much. Here's what I'm coming down to. 
We have the truth. We have a book. I wrote down a few questions. Are you dealing with anxiety about something that's coming up? We have the truth of God and he talks about anxiety. We have a book. Are you facing a big decision coming up? We have a book. Do you want to learn how to pray and talk to God? We have a book that tells you. You got drama with friends? We have a book that talks about drama with friends. Are you struggling with your parents? We have a book that tells you how to relate to your parents. Are you getting mixed messages from our culture about sexuality and gender? We have a book that speaks the truth of God about sexuality and gender. Are you feeling unwanted and unloved? We have a book that tells you that you could never be more loved than you are right now. We have something in our hands. We have something on our phones that we have access to that for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, people would give their left arm for, people would die for, to hear from God. So the question is, how much do you hear from God? Because when you hear from God and you understand what he's saying, nothing else matters. Man, I really wish I had more time. Take, your, take, take a note, if, if, you, if you're taking notes, get a blank page or something. I want you to draw a sword. Draw a sword. It doesn't have to be a good sword. Draw a sword. If you're, if you're not down for drawing a sword, open up your notes app and just write down sword. Everybody say sword. Okay, I'm making sure you're with me. Sword. You know, but, you know, uh, Hebrews says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts right through our, our, our preconceived notions of what's right and what's wrong. And it points us to where God is. There are six questions. You want to read the Bible? You want to learn how to read the Bible? You want to get, understand what God's saying? Get something out of the Bible? Ask these six questions about the Bible as you read it. The first question is, what does the passage say about God? So just write God. What does the passage say about God? The second thing you're going to ask is, what does the passage say about me? I always write the word God at the tip of the sword, right? Because it's God's truth. And then I write the word, you know, the word me down at the bottom where the handle is because we're the ones that, you know, that, that hold God's word. Then there are four questions. Once you've figured out what it says about God, what it says about you, the first is, is there a command obey? Is it telling me to do something? Is there a sin to avoid? Is it telling me not to do something? Is there an example to follow? Especially in the Old Testament, we see examples of people either to follow or to not follow. You know, you follow Abraham, don't follow Lot, right? Uh, and then finally, is there a promise to claim? If you ask those six questions about the book that you're reading or about the passage you're reading, God will start speaking to you in some incredible ways. So you need, we need to use it. And I like using the sword method. But next, we need to understand it. I think that's two slides next, Jordan. Uh, we need to understand it. This is the final verse I'm going to leave you with. Um, it's one of the, Paul's prayers that he's praying for these uh, Christians in the city of Ephesus. And he prays this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. I'd underline this, this, this phrase here. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope that he's called you to. Do you realize that reading the Bible is not enough? Just like me playing percussion is not enough, you need the melody. Here's a recipe for success in hearing from God. When you open the Bible, 
And you ask God to allow his Holy Spirit to, uh, that his Holy Spirit will open your eyes and open your heart to understand it. You've got the beat and you've got the melody and it comes together and you hear from God what he has for you. So I want to end by asking you three questions. First, are you in a wilderness experience? Like those people that 40 days, they were just kind of alone all by themselves. You just feel like, you feel like you're disconnected from people. And sometimes we even feel like we're disconnected from God. We're doing all the right things, trying to read our Bible, trying to show up at church, you know, trying to do all the, all, the, all the religious things. But for some reason, it just seems like, like there's a disconnect between us and God. You're in a wilderness experience. Or maybe you're in a time of testing. You're going through some very difficult times in your life and you just, you're waiting for God to break through. You're waiting for God to do something in your life. Or maybe you're in a season of spiritual dryness. You know what I mean by that? It just seems like it's been so long since you've heard from God. Has there been a time in your life where you've been closer to God than you are right now? If you can think of a time other than right now where you've been closer to God, that means you've backslidden. You're in a season of spiritual dryness. What I want you to do, uh, we're gonna wrap this up. We're gonna pray. This could kind of been a different kind of a lesson. But I'm gonna give you a moment just to ask God to open your eyes and to open your heart to hear from him. So bow your head and close your eyes. What I loved about those of you that were with us for D-Night Weekend is we had those moments to just talk to God and I'm gonna give you a brief moment tonight to talk to God. And Do you want to hear from God tonight, tomorrow, this week, and next week? Do you want to build a lifetime of you and God walking and talking together, sitting together as you read his word and he talks to you and as you respond back to him through prayer? Do you want a life where you hear from God and God hears from you? Make that known to God right now. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the miracle that it is. Uh, we thank you for the time that we get to live. A lot of people talk about how it's a difficult time to be a Christian, and in, in many ways it is. Um, but Lord, we want to stop and we want to praise you and thank you and glorify you and give you gratitude that we live in a time where it's easier than ever to hear from you. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that you've spoken in these last days through Jesus. And we can hold those pure, truthful words in our hands. Oh God, how sad is it that we make time for everything but your word. We make time for everything but hearing from you. Oh God, I pray for each teenager and each leader, all of us tonight in this room. God, that you'll build into our lifetimes where we hear from you. And we understand what you're saying. And that in turn, it'll make us live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.